This is the Topher Spear Podcast. Cue the music. Had some moments where I thought my shit was through. But mama told me there was only one thing to do. Chin up, never cave and always strong. Took the struggles and I turned them into songs. No looking back, eyes ahead always. Not gonna waste any single fucking day. Rough on the surface, but you know I'm never lonely. Smooth sailing, riding like a Zamboni. Hi, this is Topher, and I'm so excited that you joined me for my podcast. Um, this is the Topher Sphere podcast. I'm inviting you into my brain for about 30 minutes um, so you can experience what I've experienced dealing with borderline personality disorder along with other disabilities. This week, our topic is object permanence. Do we forget emotional states? I welcome you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get into this. Before we get into today's topic, um, I want to address the fact that it's been a year and a half since I um, posted an episode, and I do apologize. Um, since the last episode, a lot has changed in my life. Some for the good, some for the bad. Um, when I last spoke with you, I had two partners. I was in a polyamorous relationship. And um, about two months after the last episode, um, that ended, that relationship ended. Yes, and um, borderline personality played a role in that relationship ending. Um, and we'll explore that throughout this podcast. Um, after that relationship, I moved. I was lucky enough to find a nice apartment. Um, and I got a best friend. Um, I got a, um, a roomie. He's my roomie. He's a dog, um, a miniature golden doodle. Um, and he is the joy of my life right now. I, um, as I've expressed in previous, um, podcasts, I deal with a movement disorder, um, Korea related to a genetic mutation called ACDY5. Um, basically, I don't walk or talk without medication. Um, you'll hear my voice strength change throughout this podcast, and that's because um, my voice changes depending on how I um, am dealing with my movements um, on any given day. Now for the direction and name of the podcast. When I first started this podcast, I was going to call it PH Squared, Topher's Sphere, PH Squared, um, but I'm just going to call it Topher's Sphere now um, because I'm welcoming you into my life. I'm going to be vulnerable and open and honest about the effects of BPD on my life. Um, Currently, I am in um, counseling. Um, I did complete a DBT um, therapy, got kicked out of the group, um, but 
it did give me a lot of information. I'm going to share some of it and share what helped me. First and foremost, what is BPD or borderline personality disorder? Um, what the doctors say. Um, this is from the NIH, National Institutes of Health. And um, we're going to go through this. And then I'm going to give you a description of what I think BPD is. Efforts to avoid real or perceived abandonment. A pattern of intense, um, unstable relationships with family, friends, and loved ones. Distorted or unstable self-image. This is a big one. No sense of self. Impulsive or often dangerous behaviors such as spending, unsafe sex, substance abuse, recklessness, drive, driving, binge eating. Note that these behaviors usually happen during elevated mood or energy or under stress for me. Um, Self-harm behavior, such as cutting, reoccurring so thoughts of suicide behaviors or threats, intense and highly variable moods. Episodes lasting a few hours to a few days, or in my opinion, a few minutes. Inappropriate, intense anger or problems controlling anger. I disagree with this one. Feelings of dissociation, such as feeling caught off from oneself, observing oneself from outside one's body, or feelings of unreality. That one's a big one, people. Um, now, um, we've heard what the doctors say what BPD is. I'm going to give you what I say B my BPD is. This is the symptoms I experience on a regular basis. Experience emotions at extreme. This can cause inappropriate responses. Intense general emotional state. Feeling emotions at 110%. All emotions are amplified, not just anger. If you want to know more about this, look up a highly sensitive person. Unstable mood shifting leads to lack of sense of self because of the instability in moods. Extreme sensibility to abandonment. Feeling of constant abandonment at every corner. We're going to come back to that one. Feelings of self-annihilation, the utter destruction of me, my body, my life. Um, the way I can explain this one, this is a good analogy, I think. I gave this to my counselor once. Um, if you're a comic books fan, um, Thanos clicked um, half of the population out of existence with his finger. I think this is Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, if I could click myself out of existence, that's the feeling. Um, chronic negative self-talk, believing I'm the worst, most horrible person. Chronic memory, memory disturbances, 
What we're going to talk about today, object permanence, remembering emotional states, leads to narrative feeling, filling. The brain fills in the blank memories. I'm always at fault. Let me say that again. My brain fills in the blank memories. I'm always at fault. Feelings of disassociation, which leads to a lack of empathy, which leads a person into depersonalization, which is how I believe we can actually act mean to people. Now, maybe this is a good place for me to explain some things about BPD and my philosophy. If you are looking for recovery in BPD, but still unwilling to admit that you've done wrong, hurt people, acted manipulatively, or any of the above, you're not ready for recovery. Yes, I have been mean. Yes, I have said the most horrible things to people. Yes, I have hurt people. Yes, I have been manipulative. Now, once I have said that, am I always hurting people? Am I always manipulative? Am I always mean? By no way am I always that. But I have to admit my capacity to be able to act in those ways. Understanding that capacity is part of BPD recovery, and we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But I just wanted to put that disclaimer in. We have to be honest with ourselves, and sometimes it hurts. Believe me, sometimes it really hurts. But sometimes we're looking at things through a warped lens also and taking on too much responsibility and finding out that midpoint is part of what we're doing here. Now, a little like school, we've reviewed um, what BPD is. We've reviewed what the doctors say. We reviewed what my experience with BPD is. And now let's go on to our, um, our week's topic, object permanence. Sounds scary, doesn't it? Um, Object permanence is a concept that I learned, and I'm going to give a shout out here. It's a concept that's been around forever, but it's a concept that was introduced to me by um, Molly at Back from the Borderline podcast. Um, excellent podcast. I encourage everyone to listen to it. But um, object permanence. Now... Keeping with the school reference, we're going to go back to what the doctors say object permanence is. Object permanence involves understanding that an item and people still exist even when you can't see or hear them. Now, let me explain a little bit. Um, I think there was an experiment with a doctor that was using children, and um, they would put objects in front of the kids and then take the objects away. And they determined um, by the, the children's responses that the, at a certain age, a child could remember that that item still exists. And when I'm going to add this, remember the feelings that went along with that item. Up until that point, when the item was taken away, the children 
thought the item didn't exist. They couldn't even remember that the item existed. Um, and if you can imagine how that plays into borderline personality disorder, think abandonment. Let me give you a scenario how this might work. I'm not saying this ever happened, but um, this is how it might have worked. You have a good night with your partner, your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Um, you know, the, you're kind of cuddly on the couch and, um, you know, he kind of whispers into your ear that he loves you. And you got, you guys go to bed, sleep, get up, go to work. Um, you send him a message the next day saying, I love you, or maybe it's just something playful. And he doesn't respond right away. We all know that. We all know the not response to text message response that we have. And here's where object permanence comes in. Is in my head, when I sent the message, if he doesn't respond right away, oh my God, he doesn't love me. He's cheating on me. He's lying to me. He's leading me on. He's um being mean. Now, why can't I remember the night before and the feelings and the safety and the love that I felt just hours before? That's object permanence at work. And can you see where another symptom of BPD comes into play here? Now we're abandoned. Oh my gosh, has he just not responded to a text message or has he caused World War III? Because in my chest, in my feeling, in my emotional realm, I'm experiencing World War III now because I'm unable to access the memories from just hours before. I'm unable to feel again in that moment, the permanence of the emotional states that I experienced hours before. Can you imagine this? I'm asking if you don't have BPD to put yourself in that situation, to put yourself in the situation of being utterly alone and not remembering connections that you've had with people and vice versa. If you have BPD, try to think what it would look like to someone else who doesn't forget their emotional states. Because I'm gonna tell you for them, it's automatic. It happens automatically for them. It doesn't for us. We're different that way. Now, I'm not saying this is true. I'm saying this is my experience. And why do I think there's an issue with the remembrance of the emotional states, the capacity of emotional states? This is because I've experienced it. Last year, as I shared at the beginning of the podcast, I went through a breakup. This wasn't an insignificant breakup. One of my partners and I had been together for 14 years 
the other one, we had been together for four years. So these weren't insignificant relationships. Now, um, during this time after the breakup, I got stuck in a small subset of emotional states. Despair, anger, rejection, abandonment, anything along that lines, I was in. Um, and it was pretty constant, really constant. Utterly feeling things would never be good again. During this time, I believe it was impossible for me to feel happy because I had forgotten the capacity to feel happy. I think it, was, it would have been impossible for me to feel joy because I had forgotten the capacity to feel joy. My capacity, my ability to feel that emotional state. So I didn't remember it was there. Now remember during this whole time, good things had happened. I had found an awesome apartment. I had been able to buy things for my new apartment. I was moving into my new apartment. All during this, I was in a state of dread because I had forgotten my emotional capacity. If you'd ask the people around me what my response was to um, a cheerful thing, it was neutral. There was really no response because I had forgotten the feelings. I had forgotten my capacity to have those feelings. Now I'm gonna tell you what I experienced that brought back the remembrance. I um, had decided to get an emotional support animal. So I started putting out feelers um, to people to see if I could find a pet. And um, my brother did, my brother came through. We found a miniature golden doodle, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, and at a price that I could really afford. So um, we got him and my brother lives about an hour away from where I do. Um, so he drove Rumi, who would now be Rumi, up to us, um, up to me. And um, we met um, out in the parking lot here. And as soon as I saw Rumi, my emotional state changed. And it changed in a way that I didn't recognize at first. It changed in a way that was different for me. What was I feeling? I was confused a little bit at first. What was I feeling? How was I feeling? Where did this feeling come from? I was excited. Excitement, what, what is this? Where did this come from? I can experience excitement. 
Then another one. Another one. What is this? It's soft and cuddly. I can fall in love. From the moment I saw Rumi, my emotional capacity memory clicked and I knew I was experiencing something different. I was experiencing something at this point in time was new to me, but wasn't new, had always been there. See, I believe emotional memory is a lot like the memory we use to ride a bike. It stays in our brain and we may go years without using it. We may go decades without using it, but it's always there. And when we hop back on, it's like we never forgot. It's like um, muscle memory. Think about that. Emotional memory is like muscle memory. We don't lose the capacity, we forget it. So now, being me, I have to ask, can we remind ourselves of our emotional capacity? Can we remind ourselves of the states that we were in that we've forgotten? I think we can. And I'm going to share with you some of what I've done. Now, when I started counseling, I was having BPB moments almost nightly. Um, I would get triggered and yell and scream and say nasty things. Um, and my counselor at the time was, we were trying to figure out how to um, snap me out. And we came up with one method. And this method was that I was to record a couple messages to myself, um, reminding myself that I was validated, I was loved, and I was safe. Hear me, if you love someone with BPD, the quickest way to shut down a BPD moment, validate, love, safety. I validate your emotions right now. I love you, you are safe. Now, you can validate someone without agreeing with their position. Let me say that again. You can validate someone without agreeing with their position. You're just saying that you can see that their response is valid. So I would record these messages and then when I would become triggered, I would listen to them. And it didn't work the first couple times, honestly. It, did, I, it just made me more angry. Um, but like on the fourth or fifth time, it worked. I listened to the message 
and I conveyed to myself that I was okay, that I was safe, that I was loved, and I would bring myself out of the BPD moment. Now I'm gonna ask the stupid question, what was I doing? I was reminding myself of emotional states. I didn't realize it, but I was reminding myself I was safe. My response was valid. And did you hear what I said? I said my response was valid. So many times with BPD, we feel misunderstood because we cannot realize why people are not understanding our response. Because they don't understand what it's like to be experiencing their emotions at 110% all of the time. So our responses seem disproportionate to the issue at hand. So my response may seem overboard to you, but to me, it's just proportionate. And I have to ask the question, what reality is right? I think dialectics teaches us that both are. But when you see someone having an outrageous response to an event that seems minor, um, the natural response is to think, wow, how crazy can you be? That's a small minor issue. Instead of asking, what is a person feeling that's causing the outrageous response? Let me validate the person with BPD again. Your response is proportionate to what you are experiencing. Don't let anyone tell you anything different. Problems do come in when we start hurting people or start being mean or experience consequences from our actions. But the response that we exhibit is understandable in reference to what we are experiencing. Take it even a step further. We would be abnormal if we didn't respond the way we respond in reference to what we're experiencing. Because when we deny our experience, we're telling ourselves that we don't matter that the debasing feelings that we're feeling, the feeling of being horrible, a terrible person, that they're true. This is what we're telling ourselves when we deny our experience. So don't deny your experience. Embrace it. Break it down. Question what's going on. Ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Why, why, why? This way you can start to, co to collect the things that remind you of emotional capacities, that remind you that you have the ability to feel joy and peace, love and, and dare we, happiness. And we're unable to do this if we're denying our experience. If we're pushing down all the scary feelings and refusing to feel them, we are robbing ourselves of the memory of emotions, of the memory of emotional capacity. 
Find things that make you happy and put them in your way daily so you can be reminded that you have the capacity to feel happiness. Find things that make you feel joy and put them in your way so on a daily basis you remember that you have the capacity to feel joy. I have a picture of Rumi and there's a specific song that I play and I look at that picture to bring back the memory of excitement, to remind myself I can feel excited. Where I am at now is not where I will always be. That's a big one. Where I am at now is not where I will always be. Because if you have BPD, a lot of times we feel trapped. We feel trapped. We think that we're gonna stay in the position that we're in for the rest of our lives and nothing is ever gonna change and we're never gonna be happy again. And why? Because of object permanence. Because we can't remember that we were happy in the past, that we have the capacity to be happy, that things will change. Many times with me, that's a trap that I get set into. I didn't set into the mindset that this is how everything is going to be for the rest of my life. I'm going to feel this way for the rest of my life. Why is it worth it? And this is where the self-annihilation comes in. Why is it worth it if everything is going to be the same? I should just not exist. Why do I exist? And yes, on this podcast, we will talk about wanting to die. I mean, it's a part of BPD. We can't get around it. We're always going to be open to it. And that's just how things are. I, people with BPD um, experience their, their emotions at 110%. We have discussed that already. But can you imagine always feeling your emotions at 110%. Um, it is exhausting. And sometimes there are those of us who have BPD that decide to end their lives. I will never judge someone for that. I wish that you would choose a different path and there are different paths to choose. But sometimes we do choose the path of suicide. Like I said, that's just how it is. Though with some skills and some tools and emotional memory, guess what? We can live a happy life. Yes, that's what this podcast is about. Finding the tools and resources we need to live in a world we don't understand, in a world that doesn't understand us. It's not going to be easy. It requires taking a look at ourselves in a deeper way, and maybe in a way we haven't looked at ourselves before. But I'm ready. Are you ready? Because the goal of this podcast is to get you and me back to living life 
and not listening to a podcast about borderline personality disorder. That's the goal. Let's do this. Thank you for listening and come back for my next episode. Thank you. If you want to reach out to me, I can be reached at Topher's Sphere. That's two S's at hotmail.com. If you want to leave me a question or even tell me off, um, I will read all your messages and hopefully get back with you. Now cue that song we were listening to. When I was little, mama told me I was perfect. Any mess up didn't matter, I was worth it. Filled with talent and the spirit had the gumption. So much to give that I could barely even function. Took a moment and I focused on my strong suit. Tailor perfectly to fit what I was meant to do. Put my pen onto the paper and it all started. Now I'm doing what I love.